Well, Canada has announced plans to deploy hundreds of additional troops to Eastern Europe and impose new sanctions against Russia as Western democracies rush to respond to the deployment of Russian forces into Ukraine, as Vladimir Putin announced yesterday. Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland says this is just the beginning of Canada's punishment of Russia if Russia persists. So with war inching ever closer to its doorstep, what is the mood like in Ukraine now? Roman Waschak is Ukraine's business ombudsman and Canada's former ambassador to Ukraine, and he joins me now. Welcome to the show. Uh, you're very welcome. I mean, this has been a fairly astounding 36 hours, but just in your own words, how did you interpret the events of, uh, first of all, President Putin's speech and just the consequences of that? Well, I think uh, one of the unfortunate things we've all come to realize is that basically you have to take him at face value. He started uh, this sort of uh, revanchist, uh, I'm going to rebuild an empire thing, first with talk back in 2007, then Georgia, then Ukraine 2014. And then he gave us that five or 6,000 word article last summer. And what we discovered last night was that He's serious about it. It's not just some PR thing that some aides wrote for him. He's all in. What does that mean on the ground for those who aren't entirely familiar with the geography of Ukraine and what exactly Vladimir Putin has said he's going to do? Uh, what does that mean for, for Ukraine? Okay. Well, uh, it, it, Ukraine is, by European standards, a big country. So it's about 13, 1400 kilometers from east to west. Uh, in Canadian terms, think of it as kind of the size of Southern Ontario and then another little bit and a bit more. Right. Um, so it's not like a Belgium or a, you know other countries. So uh, it's had a conflict going on in its eastern end, uh, Donetsk, Luhansk, Oblast, but that's really concerned about three or 4% of the country. So the rest of the country has largely lived a reasonably normal life. Um, Sometimes people, you know, soldiers who were at the front were saying, you know, people back home don't understand what's going on. They're too insulated from it. Uh, what I think is happening now is that with 150,000 uh, troops plus highly uh, high tech weaponry uh, all around Ukraine, including its northern neighbor, Belarus, uh, this is not going to be just a couple of jabs here or there. He's uh, gearing up for what could be very high-end missile, aerial, joint forces, naval landing, you name it, kind of assault on Ukraine. Given that you're there, what is the mood right now and how much has it changed in the past week or so? I think it's gone from Ukrainians being a bit like people in other countries going, yeah, sure, he can't be serious about this, to going, oh my God. Yes, he probably is. Um, now, the other thing is that Ukrainians are a very resilient bunch of people. They've lived through the collapse of the Soviet Union, which they helped bring about by voting for independence. Uh, they've gone through various economic crises. They've gone through the conflict at, at a fairly low level in 2013-14 with the revolution. Uh, I feel they've seen it all. But now as they look around and realize that we're talking a whole different level of potential conflict uh they're you know taking a little gulp uh, as they look 
What would be, I mean, I, I, my interpretation of Vladimir Putin's speech yesterday was essentially questioning Ukraine's very right to exist as a sovereign nation in, in some, in many ways. Basically, uh, yeah. And, and, and they're being quite consistent. Uh, Foreign Minister Lavrov today said Ukraine has no right to sovereignty because its government doesn't control the entire territory. So it's basically, uh, we, we, we get to push it around whatever way we want. This is a violation of, of international Which is law. Not the way we usually talk. No, no, this is a violation of international law. Clearly, you're there. You you were a you've been a diplomat there. You understand how this all works. Is there a way to negotiate this uh, uh, away from conflict? Right. I think it's going to be really difficult. Uh, French President Macron tried this. He tried it a couple of nights ago. Uh, he, I think, spent two hours on the phone with Putin trying to also, and, and people were wondering, is this guy freelancing? But no, he was uh, also calling on behalf of President Biden to set up a meeting. Uh, but basically, he was blown off. Um, and uh, the next day, the Russians said, uh, you know, what summit? We, we, we don't really care about a summit. Uh, and... Uh, Essentially, President Macron is kind of like a glorified errand boy, and we don't care anymore. Uh, so that's, uh, there's a kind of uh, throwing over the table aspect to this that makes it all very unpredictable. And unlike most things that we've seen in the past, well, half century. I mean, you, what has been the reaction so far of, of President Zelensky, of, of the Ukrainian government, to this obvious, yeah. almost existential threat now to, to the country? Well, they've tried to be as sanguine about it as possible. Uh, some people may have thought even, maybe even a bit too sanguine, uh, kind of a folks, uh, panic. Uh, they had a lot of worries that just the mere talk about conflict would cause investors to bail, would cause uh, run on banks, that sort of thing, uh, pressure on the currency. Uh, fortunately, I think they've gotten money now from countries like Canada, the US, France, uh, probably money coming from the IMF and, and the World Bank that'll help buffer that. Um, President Zelensky's speech at the Munich Security Conference was, was I think, very hard hitting. Uh, also pointing out that uh, it's all very words like uh, we stand with you except if you're not showing up it doesn't sound like standing with ukraine uh, you know thanks for sending uh, some stuff but um essentially in this fight uh ukraine is largely alone vis-a-vis -a, -vis a large much larger nuclear armed neighbor and that's a very uncomfortable position to be in Yes, uh, and and that was I was wondering what you made of the saying of sort of the announcements so far uh, that we've seen from Germany about Nord Stream Two, uh, which is a gas pipeline that's already built, ready to go. The Germans today have told the Russians they're going to delay it or at least stop it for now. Uh, do you feel like the response has been robust enough so far? I think it is getting certainly more robust, and uh, I, I see that the. Europeans are about to sanction all the members of the Duma and ban them from traveling. And uh, now, some of these things that uh, we're planning to do may not be as effective as Western countries hope because because President Putin has been 
preparing for this. He's been creating a kind of fortress Russia mentality. So even though, yes, it's true that Russia's oligarchs own stuff all over the place and, uh, you know, many members of the Russian elite have their kids at Western universities, private schools, apartments on the Côte d'Azur in France or something like that. Uh, But he's been asking them to pull them back. And so the kind of hit uh, that that they'll take will be partly buffered by this fortress Russia Preparations. He's also been accumulating uh, foreign reserves. So they've, they've got like about $600 billion in reserves. And ironically, uh, every time the threat of conflict is increased, oil prices go up. And of course, that is Russia's main source of income. Uh, so ratcheting up conflict actually kind of flows more money into his coffers. Uh, so Energy-related sanctions on the part of Western countries would be the most effective way of breaking that. I'm speaking with Roman Wastrzak, Ukraine's business ombudsman and Canada's former ambassador to Ukraine. When we come back, we'll talk a bit more about what Canada's been doing, how it's viewed in, in Kyiv as, as whether or not it's sufficient, and what could be done now by Canada to send a clear message to Russia about this latest escalation. We'll be right back. I'm back with Roman Wastrzak, Ukraine's business ombudsman and Canada's former ambassador to Ukraine. Clearly, you watch what the Canadian government does in this space very closely. Um, I was speaking with Michael Borsicu last week, and he he was telling me that the perception of Canada's uh, recent um, commitments to Ukraine was seen as somehow being a bit lacking. And I'm wondering whether you agree with that. Uh, I think since the delivery of a globe master full of uh, lethal weaponry, uh, it's uh, looking up <laughs> for Canada okay. in Ukraine. Uh, and I think Possibly even more importantly, Canada has been very active and our finance minister and deputy prime minister has been very active on this front in providing this kind of financial buffer uh, so that Putin basically can't collapse Ukraine economically before the first tank or the uh, uh, revs or the first missile flies. Uh, so, you know, the uh, there's been a, a half a billion dollar uh, loan to Ukraine. Uh, and uh, certainly very active lobbying with the international financial institutions to to provide support as well. So, so certainly, uh, I think uh, right now uh, Canada is in good stead with uh, with Ukrainians. Uh, the Canadian embassy staff are in Lviv, Western Ukraine, as am I. Uh, unlike their American or Australian counterparts, they have not uh, taken to either leaving the country or overnighting outside the country. Uh, so I think their uh, presence and a reassuring presence to Ukrainians. Certainly there'll be a lot of pressure uh, back home with the diaspora to try and at least come out and, and, and be as strong as possible. Is Canada still have a seat at the table here? I mean, honestly, one of the things that's come out of late is criticism of us not reaching out to the Russians enough. I remember being in Moscow when we were essentially completely cut off from the from the Kremlin. There was no reaching out. It, it, they didn't want to return our phone calls. Uh, where does Canada sit as far as being able to broker any kind of, uh, any kind of settlement here? I think we're not in the brokerage business right now. And again, even those who have been mediators for years uh, in the so-called Minsk process, uh, Germany and France, they've all been spurned uh, as well. So I think there isn't a whole lot of scope here for suddenly magically mediating this. Uh, where I think we do count 
is as a country that commands one of the NATO uh, enhanced forward presence uh, battalions in Latvia. Uh, and so when you see consultations happening at NATO, uh, you'll see that Canada is one of the core group countries uh, that meets to discuss what's happening on the eastern flank of NATO. Uh, so, I, so I think uh, we're not in the brokerage business right now, but we are in the uh, deter and show some uh, some strength uh, business. Uh, you know, Canadians often talk about where we're not. You know, are, are we doing enough peacekeeping? Are we doing that? But we've been more than pulling our weight in terms of both training the Ukrainian forces, where we have the biggest presence on the ground. It's now naturally very much thinned out. Uh, but also in uh, in having uh, 500 Canadians, uh, you know, uh, in Latvia. What would be, when you look at how things sit today, what would be the best case scenario for Ukraine uh, in the next right. week or so? The best case would be uh, Putin deciding to make the point by emphasizing his occupation of these uh, so-called two republics and arming them to the hilt, but not moving beyond that eastern enclave um the uh maybe second least bad option would be uh you know sort of trying to fill in some gaps in the territory the territory of the oblast in the east and of course that's also an invasion that's also absolutely uh unacceptable in, in terms of international law and in terms of the humanitarian impact it would have but it's not the same as letting fly a full bore attack on the whole country or most of the country. Uh, the implications there, I mean, there, there are a couple of implications. One is a major humanitarian implication from full-scale attack, which is even the conflict in 2014 generated about 2 million internally displaced people. So you can imagine that the Western part of Ukraine and neighboring EU countries will have to deal with millions of displaced, displaced people if the Russians go for the full uh, the sort of full-scale attack. And Ukraine is one of the world's top four, five food producers. You disrupt Ukrainian grain, there's people going to be going hungry in places like North Africa, East Africa, parts of Asia. So uh, th there are implications for all of this way beyond uh, the geography of Ukraine. I, I was in Mariupol in 2014. I remember the number of people leaving at the time. I can't imagine what it would be like now. But that is, therein lies some of the issues that there is a possibility here that the Russians would then advance into, into areas that are now technically controlled by the government of Ukraine, that were Ukrainians, uh, I mean, they're all Ukrainians, but were Ukrainians who are not living under sort of militia, separatist militia rule yep. are now living. And so we would see them. I, is that That's the fear that there would be a movement on those areas. That's that's the fear. And I think there's also something that uh, the uh, diplomatic editor of BBC Newsnight has pointed out, and we'll see if he's if he's right in looking at this. Uh, he, apart from Putin's resentment about Ukraine's very existence, he's also very resentful about NATO. And he's resentful about the way NATO operated in the Yugoslavia-Kosovo campaign of 1999. So uh, what he's suggested is that uh, sort of pinpoint bombing might occur all across the country uh, with the argument that, well, you guys did it to Yugoslavia uh, to prevent genocide of the Kosovo Albanians. And we have declared a genocide of uh, 
Russians and Russian speakers in uh, the Donbass region, uh, even though there's zero evidence for it. And so we get to do whatever you did. Uh, so it's kind of like uh, social media trolling on a massive and murderous scale. Uh, so here we're kind of almost getting into movie super villain kind of uh, behavior. So, but, but, but we'll see. How long will you, I mean, I know that the, the Canadian, um, the foreign affairs department continues to, to ask Canadians there to leave. Uh, how long will you stay? And what, what are you looking for? What are you, I mean, I know this is a, but how long will yeah, you stay absolutely. and what's, and, and how much have things changed even just for you in the last little while? Well, so, um, I don't know. Is, is my mother listening? Uh, is my wife listening? Um, we'll see. How, how much should I tell you here? Uh, but uh, my, you know, I uh, have about a week and a bit ago uh, left the capital, uh, sensing that it might be a target uh, because people like President Biden have said that it might be a target. And I feel that he's a fairly well-briefed individual uh, here in the West. Um uh, I think as long as it's physically safe, uh, I am uh, looking to, to stay as long as I can, in part because uh, you know, having come out of retirement, uh, I've been chosen to head up a Ukrainian organization that works to improve the business climate and, uh, and to, to challenge and correct uh, basically uh, abusive behavior by government agencies vis-a-vis -vis business. Uh, I have a staff of 32 Ukrainian citizens, and I feel a kind of uh, general duty of care uh, to them and to the fact that I had an organization that is uh, that's serving this country. Uh, so hightailing it out at the first whiff of problems is probably not the right thing to do. Um, I think I, I told my wife when I left to take on the task, I won't be on the first flight out and I hope, and I do, and I hope not to be on the last helicopter out. Uh, so somewhere in between there. Roman I'm hoping that the, that the Ukrainian armed forces will uh, uh, will will uh, put up a stiff defense and prevent any helicopter scenes from happening. Roman Wachtuck, thank you so much for your time tonight. Stay safe, and uh, we look forward to speaking to you again. Uh, so do I. Yeah.